You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. Wonderful, majestic world around us. It's time for Dear Science. Thanks to Motat, the museum inspiring the innovators of tomorrow. The last Dear Science of the year. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Hey, Nicholas. Hey, Sophia. Hey, Mila. Hey, Mila. (laughs) (laughs) Funny you were mentioning pigeons just before. I, um, oh, a couple of weeks ago, just driving down the road and there was a pigeon on the side of the road that sort of just stood there, didn't move when the car went past. Ooh, something's wrong here. So So the cameras, they're watching us. (laughs) (laughs) Back up. Doesn't move. Go out, say hi to the pigeon. Eventually, eventually, you know, there's obviously something wrong with it. So pick it up, take it out to the bird rescue place out Green Bay. And apparently, it did recover and uh, was poisoning. Apparently, that's oh, incredible, which is terrible. I'm so surprised. Yeah, even with the poisoning, that it just lets you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yep, yep. No, let me pick it up and everything. Very cute. I so. think you have a soothing energy, Ellen. I think that's what it is. <laughs> I'm safe. Well, my student brought in a sparrow last um, what? Thursday. <laughs> What is happening at EUT? Trying to get some work done, so I had to go out and take it out west again. And uh, yeah, yeah, they do a great job out at Green Bay. If, if you find a bird that's a bit poorly, uh, they will look after it. Make so some pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes, as as you correctly say, it's the last deer sites of the year. My goodness me. It's a, it's a sad oh, occasion, but wow. a sweet. Must must be episode about, oh gosh, close to 50-something, I would imagine. Cause That's incredible. We start in January, finish in December, so yeah, yeah. So um, I think as promised last week, we're just going to talk about um, possibly the biggest stories mm. of the year. Uh, just a, a, a quick wrap up, really. Nothing new this week. Sorry, those of you who are expecting, uh, you know, the latest and greatest. But I think you'll agree that these three stories I'm going to talk about, and one in particular, uh, are certainly worth it. So we're going to kick off by talking about the case of Kathleen Folbig. Now, mm. Does that name ring a bell? Had had you heard of that name before I send in? No. I slightly this? remember hearing. When Millie was on the wire, you guys talking about this? Right, yes. yeah, yeah. So we did discuss this um, earlier this year, and this is just astonishing stuff. And um, sort of shows science in its best and also possibly its worst lights mm. as well. So for those of you who uh, don't know, and for some reason this really didn't get the media coverage that I thought it would get. It was probably big in Australia, I'd imagine. But, um, you know, here, uh, I just I just didn't see it. So... For those of you who don't know, she, Kathleen Folbig, was convicted of murdering her four, sorry, murdering three of her four children um, Mm. in 2003 and manslaughter of the other child. So all of the kids were between uh, 18 days and, um, sorry, 19 days and 18 months old. Okay. Babies, babies. Yeah. So, you know, really um, young kids. So. And this was over the period 1989 to 1999. So this was over a period of 10 years and she lost four children. Um, So naturally, I guess, uh, suspicion fell on her because, you know, you just don't lose four kids. It's sort of unprecedented. And she was uh, charged, as I said, with murder and manslaughter. And um, she was convicted on the basis essentially of some remarks that she made in her diaries um, about, you know, not being a good mother and, you know, she should have done more and, 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 and this was sort of taken as being admissions of guilt. And um, and that that was basically about it. You know, they, they, that was there, the was, there, was, 
it was you know there was no um, it was it was all circumstantial evidence you know there was no sort of hard evidence that she had done this there, she was accused of smothering all four babies Ooh. okay so she was found guilty she was sentenced to 40 years um, and that was reduced to 30 um, on appeal with a 25 year non-parole period okay so she always maintained her innocence on this and um, she just sort of kept on going and kept on going and, and saying, you know, I, I, I didn't do this. Now, one of the things that was brought out in the trial was a thing called Meadows Law. And this is a guy after a British pediatrician who I think was Sir someone Meadows. I'm pretty sure he was. And basically what he said was that um, one sudden infant death is a tragedy, uh, two is suspicious and three is murder until Ooh. proven otherwise. Okay, and that's an incredible change oh, yeah, in the. Yeah, well, you know this, and and also what was put in front of the jury was uh, his calculations on this. He he sort of calculated that um, for a sort of a a family uh, of those particular circumstances, the chances of losing a child to sudden infant death syndrome or SIDS was about one in eight thousand or eight and a half thousand. So therefore, the chance of losing two should be one in eight and a half thousand squared. In other words, about one in 73 million. Oh. Wow. Okay, so the jury was told that essentially as fact, okay? So that's the chance of losing two. You can imagine what the chances of losing three and losing four yes. are, you know, as, a, absolutely astronomical. So, um, yeah, so some scientists started looking at this. Uh, first of all, there was a book written in 2011 sort of saying that, you know, so there's, there's no way she... Um, did this and um, you know it's, she was just sort of convicted on no evidence and um, this particular thing about the 1 in 73 million um, was picked up by some statisticians and said no 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 you're absolutely wrong because sudden in infant death syndrome is very probably genetic mm. then um, if you have one then your chances more of having another one are a lot more likely and in fact when you do the maths what you find is that um in terms of losing two children to sudden infant death syndrome versus losing two children to murder, um, the odds are, in fact, in favour of sudden infant death syndrome, if you take everything into account there, okay? So, really, they just got, you know, blindsided by this statistic. And this guy after this was, he uh, struck off the medical register, apparently, because, oh. uh, yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> From really and honestly. Um, well, in fact, this was from another incident. There was a very, very similar case in the UK in around about the same year, a lady called Sally Clark, who was, in fact, a barrister, and she lost two children in quick succession. And again, very, very similar sort of thing. And this was brought up at her trial as well. She served three uh, years in prison and she was eventually exonerated, but sadly she then just couldn't get over it and she drank herself to death. Absolute tragedy. But Kathleen Folbig spent 20 years, for goodness sake, in jail. 20 years. And now her case was looked at um, by some scientists because they were thinking, look, you know, there's, there's obviously something wrong here. So they had preserved tissue samples from the children. They took her DNA. They found in her DNA that um, she had a mutation of a gene that regulates how your heart beats, basically, how your heart expands and contracts and expands and contracts. Okay, so mm. she had a genetic mutation that uh, basically meant that you could get sort of very, very rapid and um, just 
sort of all over the place heartbeats, okay, sort of chaotic heartbeats, which obviously, you know, is not good. Yeah. Um, and so what then happened was that uh, they went with this evidence and said, right, we um, need an investigation of this, okay. And um, so an appeal was granted, in fact, after this. And um, the appeal, the, and this was in 2018, then the appeal was dismissed. 510 page judgment or something like that, basically saying, no, 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 the, um, the conviction stands, etc., etc. So this got a lot of people very, very upset. And what then happened that was that a petition was started, which was signed by 100 of Australia's and the world's top scientists, including two Nobel laureates, basically saying that this is very, very, very unsafe. Um, further genetic testing was done on the children's DNA and what that showed is that at least two of them uh, had a genetic um, uh, mutation that rendered them much more likely to uh, die through sudden cardiac uh, arrest. Incredible. Okay, so there was, there was that, and then the other two kids were found to have uh, mutations consistent with uh, epilepsy that has been found in rats, okay? So... And one of the children did have epileptic uh, episodes prior to their death. So has she been exonerated? Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. So After that's, 20 years So that's, that's what came out of all of this. And that's why this is the, in my view anyway, the science story of the year. Because um, science came to the rescue on this. Sadly, 20 years too late. Um, ordinarily, when we talk about DNA what we are talking about is finding traces of DNA at a crime scene, okay? So you go swab, you know, this, that, and everything. Or you get hairs or something like that, you extract DNA from that, and you're, and you're looking for the presence of a particular person at a crime scene through DNA analysis. Mm. Now, this is completely different. This is totally different. This is using DNA of the alleged perpetrator and the victims to prove that... Um, there was or there were genetic factors in this that had definitely not been taken into account at all. Okay, Incredible. and um, so you know this this is an extraordinary story. So as a result of the pressure from these scientists in two thousand and twenty three, she was uh, given an unconditional pardon and released from jail. And in fact, just last week on December the fourteenth, her convictions were quashed. Okay, so um, the right result has occurred, obviously, uh, 20 years too late, sadly, mm. and there's no way that you're going to be able to compensate her for what she's gone through. Mm. I mean, it's just utterly, utterly appalling. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I guess this this sort of comes down to the whole this whole idea of expert witnesses in um, crimes, in criminal trials. And it seems to me that these so-called expert witnesses, the prosecution's got one and the defence has got one. Mm. And they're both saying the opposite things. So... There's a deeper problem here, I guess. There, yes, absolutely there is. But um, I think that is fantastic. And, you know, all of these scientists that really worked really, really hard, like seriously hard, I've, I've just sort of, you know, gone over the top of this, you know, hardly scratched the surface really. This, there was a hell of a lot of work went into this by a hell of a lot of people mm. um, to prove this one woman's innocence. Mm. And um, I think that, yeah, as I said, it's, it's the right outcome, but 
boy, oh boy, oh boy, that poor lady. So um, I hope she can live the rest of her life. Um, and do you think that this will change any future cases where maybe a similar thing happens? Well, I mean, the precedent now has been set, and I think in in terms of law, that's the, that's the big, you know, that's the be all and end all, isn't it? Is, is precedence? So yeah. um, I would imagine that there are probably more than a few people now who are languishing in jail who might be sort of thinking, you know, let's let's go for this, but. Um, I guess the other thing is that it's, it shows us that we still just really don't know about sudden infant death syndrome, that, mm. um, you know, there's, there's no obvious unambiguous markers of it. Um, and the fact that you can obviously get it mixed up, supposedly, with, you know, smothering, mm. maybe. Mm. Um, yeah, so we've still got a lot to learn in that respect. But um, science... Uh, one out in the end on this one so I think it's an amazing story mm. so yeah th- th- I, you'd imagine there'd be a movie or something yeah you'd guess or at least a book or something like that but Alan's prediction Alan's, <laughs> Alan's gonna write the movie <laughs> and star in it <laughs> what do you have up for us next Alan I'm excited about this next story because okay. I remember this one yeah, yeah yeah well um okay so we're gonna talk about chat GPT yes very very briefly in fact um so ChatGPT, now how many of you, and again at the start of the year, how many of you had heard of ChatGPT, be honest? At the start of the year? I yeah. don't think I'd heard of it, but yeah, very right. quickly into the year. Exactly, it was okay. So really, you know, this is, this is one of the big stories of 2023 is ChatGPT. Yes. Uh, artificial intelligence. Now artificial intelligence has been around for quite some time, okay. Um... But it seems to be in this year that it's sort of caught the public's imagination, all due to this thing called ChatGPT, which the public can, you know, sit down and actually use. And I think that's why it's taken off. I think, um, you know, prior to this, it was a very, very academic sort of thing. But now, you know, everyone can see uh, what it is. Everyone can basically play with it. Yeah. And um, so that's... You know, it's just made enormous advances this year. So, you know, is it any good? That's a question. You know, is it is it any good? So, um, so while preparing for this, I thought, right, let's 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 see if I can make my job easier by using ChatGPT. So, I yes, said, I, I love said, the theatrics. I this know. is what I'm talking about. Right. So I said, what are the top science stories of the of this year? And ChatGPT answered, I'm sorry for any confusion, but as my last update in January 2023, I don't have information on events or stories from the year 2023. I recommend checking the latest news stories, scientific journals, or reputable websites to get the most recent and accurate information on top science stories of the current year. Blah. Okay, so that's telling you absolutely bugger all. Yeah. It hasn't had an update for a year. Yes, yes. It does seem a little bit strange, doesn't it? And so therefore, I decided, oh, okay, so um, let's uh, see what ChatGPT has to say about BFM. Oh. Yeah, I know. And apparently, it is a radio station in Kuala Lumpur, apparently. Yes. So you share a name with... And, and then we Exotic. go... Um, like, <laughs> then we go 95 BFM, and uh, it, it has no clue. So, <laughs> so we, we are exposing some of the shortcomings here of uh, ChatGPT. But we've got posters internet. all along K Road. I can't believe they don't know about us. <laughs> Yeah, fair point. by ChatGPT. Now, okay, so let's get into the serious side of ChatGPT, for me anyway, and that is uh, how is it used in universities? Because 
I was quite astonished, really, as the year went on. Everyone's going, oh, wow, we've got this great new learning advance. We can use ChatGPT. It's going to be fabulous for the students. And then sort of by the end of the year, you sort of hear these things, oh, ChatGPT, oh gosh, all of the students are using ChatGPT to get to, you know, to write their essays and to write their theses even. And, you know. Have and you to, read any? Um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, no comment. I'm not going to incriminate people here. I can just imagine so, Alan reading someone's essay and be like, this is a new. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so... We have a problem here, don't we? Because, sadly, and I'll get into trouble for saying this probably sadly, the trend in university education seems to be away from good old face-to-face -face exams. Call me old-fashioned, but if you're old-fashioned, you yeah, well, <laughs> well, that's as maybe. But if you want to test somebody, which really is kind of the whole point of university, mm. you've got to sort of test them under uh, specified conditions. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, and generally, that involves a face-to-face -face sort of thing. Now, if you've got a lot of, um, let's say, non-exam type assessments, so things like writing an essay mm. or, or, or doing a problem sheet or something like that, in your own time, um, you know, out of uh, supervision, then obviously this is going to be a problem. Yes. Okay. And ChatGPT didn't, bring this problem on it just exacerbated it obviously mm. the problem existed prior to that because we have this thing called the internet where anybody can just go and look up anything you know everything is on the internet all that chat gpt is doing from what i can understand or this version of it anyway is just bridging sort of quickly collecting yeah. up all of the stuff on the internet and putting it into something that's sort of vaguely readable okay yes. or va vaguely legible or whatever and if it doesn't know it tells you it doesn't know and it can still get things wrong as well because it's only going to be as good as the data that it is fed, the data that it's processing or whatever. And there's a lot of crap out there on the internet, isn't there? Yeah. We, we, we all know that. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out uh, yeah. in the future because um, I think, you know, at the end of your university education, you're going to go out and get a job, hopefully, and the employer is going to say, right, what do you know? You know, the employer is going to expect you to know particular stuff, not just be able to Google particular stuff, but you've got to know stuff, the stuff mm. that you've got to, you know. And if you've used ChatGPT the whole damn degree to write all your assessments and stuff like that, then you ain't going to know much. But you're going to come out with damn good grades, aren't you? Yeah. You know? And it's, it's a thin end of a wedge. But, you know, I'm old-fashioned and, you know, 20 years' time, Everybody will be doing this. There'll be some other new thing or something. And, and the world will go on, you know, and old fossils like me will probably just... Yeah, anyway. So that's ChatGPT. I think that's one of the stories of the year. 100%. And the, the last one year for us, which... Was, yeah, we talked this about this, oh gosh, only a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yeah. Was about the superconductor, the LK99 superconductor. Now that, in terms of uh, impact, I think was probably the biggest story of the year that got a lot of media uh, purchase and it turned out to sadly all be rubbish. Um, oh, no. And yes. <laughs> you don't remember this? Were you not here for you this were episode? Here. I know, I was here. I thought it was TBC though. Oh, no, 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 no. no. This is, oh, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. It's, it's a gone. Sorry to break it's, your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Mila's very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, so just again to recap this whole thing about superconductors, they permit the uh, passage of electric current without loss of anything as heat. Mm. Okay, so uh, that's going to save you in uh, transmission costs because you lose about six to seven percent of all of your electricity through um, just heat losses in your um, wires and stuff like that. Um, if you can make a room temperature superconductor, that would be fantastic. You could do that. You have these maglev trains and yes. things like that. So transport will be absolutely revolutionized because then these trains will run with absolutely no friction at ridiculous speeds, be faster than flying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this has got huge, huge, huge implications for the planet. So if somebody does come up with a room, no, when somebody does come up with a room temperature the superconductor, it, and they will, they will, it will happen. But it's just that these folk in South Korea were a little bit premature and they released their results on a preprint server, not through peer-reviewed publication in a journal. And that's Oof. probably where they went wrong because they have to get priority. Because, again, whoever makes this first, they've got to be first, and then they'll get the squillions and the Nobel Prize because there's no prizes for being second. Mm. Okay? So um, you will get... You know, a lot of claims of, of, of this sort of stuff. And in fact, there was another claim of room temperature superconductors this year as well by another uh, group from uh, Rochester, New York, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And that's been sort of um, deep sixed as well. So um, there's a lot of work going on in this field because obviously it's extraordinarily important, but not quite yet. We're not there yet. A couple of people have jumped the gun this year and. That's not going to do wonders for their careers. Hmm. Absolutely not. Maybe in 2024 we'll get a superconductor. Mm. Yeah. That's well, my New Year's wish. There we go. Oh, yes. um, I guess we've got a little something for you, Alan, just because it is the last show of the year. Oh. Um, but first I want to play a little wires thing that is apparently your laugh. This is why we should never put celebrities in charge of any... Oh, wait. I have to give a big mihi to Jess for putting that wise thing together. And for also going out and getting a little package for Alan, which I'm just going to grab now. what? Oh, my goodness me. Oh, this is um, ridiculous. Oh, 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 the B95 cap. I can wear that in Kuala Lumpur, you know. <laughs> Oh, that is so cool. Thank you so much. Ooh, yummy, yummy, yummy. You've and always been workers. the best dressed scientist I've ever seen. But it just, <laughs> just takes it over the that's, top. That's not saying a lot, really. <laughs> I've, got my, I've got my dress jandals on today. So, you know. <laughs> but you, Nicholas, are looking. Oh, my goodness. He's got the tie on. He's Oh, he's, he's looking. Ego's going to burst. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, thank you, Alan, for everything this year. No, amazing. No, thank you both. It's been uh, great, as per usual. I hope that your listeners um, learn that's what it's a about. thing or two, because you know that's what it's all about. Huge, huge, huge thank yous to um, oh god, our sponsors, Motet, Motet. Thank Jeez. you to Motet. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to Motet. Thank yeah. you to Science. Yeah. Do you have anything to sign us off for the year, Alan? I just wish that you all have a wonderful and safe uh, holiday season, and that everybody comes back next year wonderfully refreshed and ready to learn more about science. How's that? You hit it there, <laughs> Well, I didn't know that before. Dear Science, thanks to MOTAT, the museum inspiring the innovators of tomorrow. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.